This podcast is brought to you by Central, helping schools work smart. So we're trying to create students who are creative, critical thinkers, great communicators and great collaborators, um, but we are teaching them paint by numbers and then expecting fully fledged artists at the end of it. So it really is about breaking down those barriers. That's Tony Valance, Australian Education Awards Teacher of the Year 2019, and my guest today on Central Station. Hello, I'm Colin Klupik. Tony Valance is one of those teachers for whom every day is an opportunity to get excited about learning, particularly in the technology space. He's a teacher, speaker, consultant, and all-round advocate for making technology education or more specifically, STEAM education, just a really cool and fun thing to be involved with. He's also the host of the EduBabble podcast. Tony talks with me today about where the whole STEAM thing came from, whether we can meet this challenge, and how schools can get started with this emerging area of learning. I started by asking Tony how he describes his diverse and engaging role as an educator. So I am a um, STEAM educator. Um, but my background for education is, is in um, sort of science, maths, uh, senior biology, this kind of stuff. Um, but I balance that out now, um, teach part-time STEAM education um, with running um, a consultancy business with my wife, all about positive psychology and, and trauma-smart approaches to teaching and parenting. So you talk about STEAM education. I think this originally came out of an acronym that was STEM education, and we hear a lot about that. For those of us who are listening who who aren't really familiar with STEM or, as you refer to it, STEAM, and we'll talk about the variants in just a moment, what are we talking about? So, yeah, we're talking about... Um for STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. For STEAM, science, technology, engineering, the arts, and mathematics, which encompasses humanities and so on. Um, I, I guess to leap forward, because yeah, I've I've been part of many a many a discussion about this over the years, and my and my my response nowadays, after many a discussion at conferences and things like that, is ah, potato, potato. Um, <laughs> it's essentially what we're looking at. If we if we open the hood and we strip it back, we are looking at student centred education that is generally fits under the guise of or fits under the structure of PBL or project based learning, yeah, um, or or phenomenon based uh, learning. There's a lot of different. <laughs> then you get into more of those acronyms, uh, acronyms in education, but uh, basically it's it's kids engaging in projects that hopefully they've had some ownership of creating um, that has some relevance to what's going on in their lives and their communities um, where they work on creating solutions um, adding to other existing solutions uh, and then hopefully going through that product design cycle the design thinking um, method where they come out at the end of it I'm big on the end of it too which is the communication side of it, where they can, um, you know, do a Shark Tank scenario with uh, somebody on Zoom or Skype, or yeah. have a local expert come in and actually like talk about features and benefits, and you know, work on their ability to communicate to a certain thing that they've created. I was just going to say what you're talking about. Though sounds like a really well-rounded uh, approach to just learning about interesting things. Why did we pick science, technology, engineering, and maths to describe that wonderful thing that you're just talking about? <laughs> well, I guess because most people don't have 30 seconds to, <laughs> to <laughs> explain it. 
Because we love our acronym. Uh, in the world it's very hard to write on a subject choice form, isn't it? That that long description. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, it is. Um, look, I think also um, we are a little bit obsessed, um, and particularly in the secondary education sphere, with compartmentalization and silos. And I think it's very much to the detriment of um, student learning and student outcomes. We're still, um, across the board, uh, very much stuck in that, well, this isn't, we're doing a science lesson um, and maybe we're doing uh, statistical analysis of the data we've collected in the science class. And I frequently get asked, oh, hey, Mr. V, what's this? This is maths. Why are we doing maths in science? Yeah. Um, and, and, we, and we talk about it in the, in the staff room like, oh, oh, silly students. But the reality <laughs> is, and this is what occurred to me a few years back, which started my journey with this kind of stuff. The reality is, it's our mistake because we're systemically teaching them to have a compartmentalized view of um, applying the learning, which is absolutely not real world. Um, so we're trying to create students who are creative, critical thinkers, great communicators and great collaborators. Um, but we are teaching them paint by numbers and then expecting fully fledged artists at the end of it. Um, so it really is about breaking down those barriers. I mean, that's kind of gone off topic from how we name STEM or STEAM. <laughs> but um, I think you get what I'm saying, right? Sure. Look, I've got a – it reminds me of a situation when I was uh, in – ooh, I'm going to give away my age here – year 12, 1989, and I was doing physics and I was doing extension maths. And the my, I had a very gifted maths teacher. He was a great guy. And – I've been learning about physics formulas in physics, uh, you know, motion formulas and so forth. And then we started to do integral calculus. And I'm watching this teacher do this derivation on the board. And I'm thinking, oh, okay, this is all very interesting. What's going on here? Suddenly all these pennies started, started to drop. And I thought, I can hear pennies dropping, but I don't know why. And it's very frustrating. And then he stops writing on the chalkboard. Yeah, it was chalk back then. And he turns around and he goes, any physics students in here? And I'm thinking, yeah, that's me. And he goes, do you notice anything? And I'm thinking, no, but I think I should. <laughs> and then he says, do you recognize these as formulas of motion? And then I thought, oh, wow, these are the formulas that we use in physics using letters. But this is what it looks like in integral calculus. Why don't they just teach us the calculus? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Or even better, why don't your senior teachers set up... Um a scenario or a unit where you are placed in a situation whereby you have to create that learning yourself. They scaffold the basics, they support you, but you are putting together those connections so that you have a much better sense um, in terms of your brain training of how to tie those things together. You know, a much more relevant real world way um, of learning those concepts as opposed to, again, because that bitsy approach, mm. you know, yeah. Um, now, STEM seems to be a thing that has kind of come up. You know, it's this suddenly it's kind of exploded onto the scene, and and you occasionally hear stories in the media of, oh my goodness, the world's going to end if we don't train more scientists. Is that really true? Are we really facing some kind of a a, a dark future if we don't train more STEM students? Look, that yeah, the whole seventy to seventy five percent of future jobs require a STEM education, as predicted. Um, World Economic Forum is screaming out and has been doing so for the last decade for um, skills in these areas. No, look, I don't think it's um, it's it's dark dystopian cyberpunky <laughs> is that, but um, 
Although if it was, maybe there'd be a cool soundtrack in the background, you know, that sort of synthwave vibe, sort of a... <laughs> yeah, <that's right. laughs> the year is 2030. Um, <laughs> actually, that's totally relevant to the year is 2020. Yeah, Schooling right. is online. Um, yeah, so look, no, I don't think it's as bleak as that. Um, I see it as a very exciting time uh, that things like this are being said because... It, it highlights, I think, um, the real uh, protected fragility that there has been in these traditional top-down models of education. So these hierarchical kind of um, the wrong end of Bloom's taxonomy-based things, which we uh, unfortunately still very much extol and measure and, and categorise at the top of our senior schooling in, in high schools, um, you know, to get an ATAR and all these kind of things. Um it's, it's an exciting time to actually push ownership back to the students. And it doesn't mean that that student has to become a scientist. It means that if the student's engaging in more of these kind of STEM, STEAM-based things, then they are going to have um, more of a skill set around applying knowledge, around working in teams, around um, communicating a solution, um, around using leveraging new technologies and design frameworks to, to do the job as opposed to, um, you know, memorize the capital of this country sort of yeah. thing. So it's really exciting for a time, I believe. Look, I'd like to float an idea with you, and that's about one of the letters in the STEM or STEAM acronym, and that's the E. Mm -hmm. And that's because we hear a lot of talk in this 2020 COVID-19 year about uh, <clears throat> how the pandemic is threatening our economy. Yet just before the pandemic, we were talking a lot about how our environment was under threat. You know, we had bushfires and we had all kinds of uh, really sort of disastrous events. Uh, and at, at one point, it, it sort of seemed like the whole of Southeast Australia was on fire. Um, yes. Yeah. What What do you think of the idea of saying, well, look, you know, if we if we put the A in there for the arts, could we also think about, particularly now, uh, the E as being economics or the environment? What do you think of that? Yeah, I think absolutely. I, to be honest, Colin, um, I feel that um, the the letters in the acronym are very much uh, interchangeable, and they should very much relate to what's going on in the world, including yes, absolutely, financial literacies built into um, units that the kids um, go through. You know, um, it should very much have those local environmental considerations and what can be done to um, you know, increase biodiversity in these areas that have been decimated by bushfires in Australia. I mean, that data coming out from the bushfires at the start of this year was just horrifying uh, in terms of estimated um, flora and fauna loss. So I, I guess that could technically still fit under engineering because you're engineering solutions, economic <laughs> solutions. You're engineering environmental solutions. But realistically, it, it just to me, it just goes back to that thing where kids need to be, um, they need to feel in control of things. They don't need to be heaped with the responsibility for, well, guys, our generation certainly screwed up the world. Good luck fixing it. I'm out. Peace. <laughs> yeah, um, right. You know, it, it's, it's not, that's a huge burden to put on students, to put on kids. But it needs to be, um, you know, hey, guys, look, what's happening? Look what's happening from a, a statewide level. Now, what are some things that um, 
that that really suck environmentally in our local shire, you know? Mm. Oh, well, there's always rubbish left down by the old creek there. There is. Hey, yeah, I've noticed that as well on my walks. Have you, yeah, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I take my dog walking there. Okay, getting a bit of engagement. Here we go. What if we could develop something? Let's get someone in from the council. Let's have a talk to them. Um, let's, let's get on the design work and see if we can look at maybe um, – you know, designing a poster or 3D printing some kind of a hardware solution that might help. Maybe we can take that to council or some local environmental agencies and you start developing the unit around that. The idea behind it being that, yes, the kids, I mean, sure, the kids are not going into these burnt out areas and, and doing that kind of thing for obvious time and money constraints, but they are having some kind of an impact in their local community. Um, and, and when it comes to these huge things that the, 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 these kids are facing, be it COVID-19, the pandemic stuff, or what's happened with, um, you know, global warming, with climate change and, and these big events like the bushfires, um, is it, they're highly traumatic. And the nature of trauma is the the feeling of being, um, of not being able to have any action in a situation, yeah. the feeling of being kind of powerless. Yeah. And so even on a small scale, doing something for a local creek over the back fence of your school, whatever it is, um, that can be super empowering for a kid because they played a part in their team of actually making a difference. They had some kind of a change-making ability. Yeah. And when, when we enable kids to do that, that's really powerful. And that builds amazing confidence and outcomes down the track. Coming up, I talk with Tony about asking the hard questions when engaging with students. Do we really want to know what engages them and gets them excited about learning? To hear another great interview where I ask this question, check out my interview with former maths teacher Richard Andrew. He gives an honest reflection of what the students are probably thinking more often than not. I mean, I used to get that question. Where, where is this relevant in society? And I, I realised that 90% of those questions, of the students asking those questions, are not actually asking that question. The question they're asking is, can I get out of this room? <laughs> it is. That's the question. It's like, I, I, I want to stop this process. I don't want to be here. That's what they're saying. And I don't blame them. But that's, and so I, I, I started to, I mean, you've got to have rapport with these kids. You know, so you'd have a the certain usual suspect would put that one up. And I'd say, Let, let's call him Peter. Uh, it wasn't Peter. <laughs> hey, Peter, I know you're not asking question, that question. You just want to get out of the room, don't you? And they go, yep. So, and then I'd, I would sort of ignore because I got sick of answering these questions to blank looks. They're not interested in my answer. Mm. They just want to pose the question. So well, that's I think what, yeah, well, that's why I asked the question. Maybe maths just isn't that interesting to people. Well, it's not interesting if you don't understand what you're doing. But I, I from experience, have seen where if you've got... If and you can find that interview by subscribing to Central Station on your favourite podcast app. I like the way you talked about uh, interchanging the uh, the acronyms, or sorry, the letters. Sorry, the letters within the acronym, uh, because yeah. you, because you suggested that well, maybe we're kind of engineering an economic solution for the environment. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the actual notion of engineering because you know I've read a couple of papers in my time about this subject, which uh, try to make sense of that idea of helping kids to understand what engineering actually is and. And the, the research seems to indicate that the notion of engineering seems to be a little bit elusive to kids. Like they get the idea of working stuff out, but then 
uh, I read one paper in particular which said, suggested that the kids didn't really have a feeling or a notion or an understanding of what engineers do. <laughs> Who are these strange yeah. people and what do they do? Yet the yes. notion of them actually figuring something out, doing the engineering, was a little bit more clear to them. Do you have some insight on that? Yeah, um, that's that's really interesting, actually, Colin. That's, that's really interesting. Um, it does make sense in my mind. I think... Um, it makes sense that the kids were um, understood the process, but perhaps not um, the sort of definitions of it or how it may look in a in a real, you know adult career based <laughs> sort of application. Um, because for me, engineering is the act of creation, right? So the act of being creative and applying a solution. It's the act of iteration, so testing and retesting. Um, and kind of making modifications and improvements on whatever it is you're working on, hardware, software, community projects, some kind of communication uh, input, whatever it is. We are all born natural engineers because yeah. we're all born creatives. Yeah. Right? You know, we, we look at how our kids behave when they're growing up from little babies and they're always testing and retesting and they're grabbing things and they're rotating an object around with their ridiculously poor gross motor skills and terrible fine motor <laughs> skills. <laughs> you know, that developing brain. And then, oh, what is it? Does the texture like? I'll rub it on my face. I'll taste it. I'll, you know, they'll go through that process. Um, and then as they get older, they'll be making box forts and cubbies and putting buttons on it and yeah, improving right. things. and. You know, so um, that's what I – I think that makes sense that the kids understand what it is. Um, it's, it's, I think the face of engineering is changing as well because these, these kids are really becoming um, engineers of a lot of change in our society. I think it's one of the <clears> – <throat> it's so exciting to see so many kids being entrepreneurial with their creativity in engineering, you know. Uh, and, and doing uh, amazing work. Some of the kids I've worked with over the years, uh, you know, have been running online businesses, um, engineering software solutions since year eight, and yeah. they're making two or three hundred dollars US per week and running teams of eight internationally. Nice. You know, <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's that's the way I see it. Is is it very much is is um, about creativity, and I think maybe we need to look at engineering. Um, from that pure standpoint and tap into that innate creativity that kids have, I think we might have a lot more success with the understanding of the application of engineering if we hit it from that creativity standpoint. So the engineering stereotype might just be about to be blown out of the water. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Here we go. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's right. What do you mean white lab coat? I haven't worn a white lab coat for years. <laughs> Um, look, for schools, though, who want to make a start in this space, it, it can be a challenge. And, you know, so, so there'll be many schools out there who will have their standard subject choices and their standard programs. And then someone will come along and say, oh, how are you going with your STEM program? And they go, blah, 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 what? <laughs> um, okay, so, so there's a challenge. Well, hang on. Does that mean I need a STEM teacher? Does that mean I need a special room? Do I need resources? Oh, how am I going to timetable this? I don't have the budget. It's too difficult. What do I do? How does a school in that situation actually try to make a start? You know, look, what do I do next? Let's say they have no idea, but they want to do something. It's it's yes. ground zero. What do they do? Um, okay, that is a beautiful question, Colin. Thank you for that. Step one, and this is a step that is that is often, um, I think, accidentally ignored, but uh, it's crucial. Step one: ask the kids. They are your key <laughs> stakeholders, right? What do you want to do, guys? You know, what 
what sucks about this situation, I say sucks. Uh, <laughs> what is what is not how children? What is not appropriate about this? No, but you know, what are the things that frustrate you about um, it, something in the school or something at home or something in the community? Right, have real open discussion with the students, give them voice and choice, and then start to put your list together of things that you might want to do. You don't necessarily need to do um, take it as crazy as I've taken it and sort of co-design with students at your school to create this um, you know, flexible learning space with whiteboard tables and all sorts of cool stuff like that. You can do a lot with very, very little um, monetary input as well. So you could start off with a lunchtime club if you wanted to, you know, dive into it that way and start to get that student interest. I think that's a very good way to get people on board. Um, and then from there, you can extend out and start doing maybe a pilot unit that's been co-developed with, um, you know, with, with teachers and students and parents. Get out there and reach out to your parent community, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, jump on, jump on central, ha, plug, you know, <laughs> use, <Yeah>. use your, <laughs> right, and, and zap it out there and say, hey, look, attention, all creative parents, we really, we want to start up this thing, our students are starting this thing, let's work together on it, do you have any ideas, and you will get so many, um, yeah. you know, actual engineers, actual mathematicians, actual, just people are so creative, regardless of their career, Sure. and so um, you'll get beautiful, um, engagement from parents and that's what you want you want that gorgeous trinity of parent and school and student and and that's magic and from that you can pilot a unit once the pilot succeeds which it will uh you know um then away you go with starting to roll out more and more of it in your in your curriculum wouldn't that be a nice uh, change to the communication narrative to, to put out a message? Attention, all engineers and mathematicians, we know you're out there and we know you want to do something magical. <laughs> oh, what? beautifully said. Yes. Yeah. What? <laughs> do I? Yeah. Yes, yeah, you absolutely. do. <laughs> absolutely. And, you know, there's never been a more important time to, um, I guess, um, coalesce and, and really bring together the school community. It's super important. There's a lot of people out there. Uh, in different parts of the country with with the on again off again on site online learning who are feeling um disconnected and so um using building a stem program which is student-centered you know student-owned um is is a beautiful vehicle to get more of that collaboration in a school community happening so do you think we can meet the challenge are you optimistic i am I am. I'm. I'm disturbingly optimistic. Anyway, Colin. Let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> well, that I kind of <laughs> kind of got that inclination. But... <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's no look. It's it's very. Uh, you can do amazing stuff without necessarily reinventing the wheel. Um, but but step one is um, giving voice and choice to your students around this sort of stuff. Um, you know, I mean, I've worked for years with. Um, a lot of other schools, both in the private and public sector, um, mentoring them and how to create a STEM learning environment. And I ask them every time um, when they when they go, okay, so how did you do this and what did you? And I'll whoa, hang on. First question is for you: To what extent have you engaged with your students at your school about what they want for the centre, about what feels right for them, about you know the opportunities that they want from this? And 100% of the time, the answer, oh, tell a lie, there was one school last year. Uh, <laughs> but 99% of the time, uh, the answer has been, oh, no, we haven't done that. <laughs> and it is it is such a crucial step. You yeah. have to get 
get your students on board, let them name the facility, come up with the logos, you know, do all this sort of stuff, Um, become the writers on the newsletter for what's happening with, you know, this school's STEM project and whatever it is, it's, it's super crucial. So look, I, I am very optimistic. Like I said, there's, there's so much you can do with, um, with very little, very little monetary input. Well, Tony, it's been so good to talk with you this morning. I'm, I have to say, I'm just so G'd up now. I just want to go and do something really exciting. And yes! uh, <laughs> I've just really enjoyed our conversation. It's been fantastic. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us. That's awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Colin. I really appreciate it. Cheers. You've been listening to Central Station. If you think that a friend or colleague might benefit from Tony's insight, then please share this episode with them. To get in touch with Tony, you can reach out to him by visiting his website, buildingbetterbrains.com.au. To hear more interviews with inspiring educators from around Australia, make sure you subscribe to Central Station on your favourite podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Central. For more information, visit the website, central.com.au. I'm Colin Klupik. Until next time, bye for now. Bye for now.